0: It has stood the test of time. God's book, the Bible, still relevant in today's complex world. It is written, sharing messages of hope around the world.
1: Dear friend, thank you so much for joining us today on It Is Written. We're in the midst of a series where we've been asking the question, where are we from? Not our province, not our city, but where have we come from? What is our origin? And helping me in this conversation has been Dr. Tim Standish. Dr. Tim Standish is a good friend of mine. Dr. Standish, want to welcome you to the program once again.
2: Well, thank you so much for having me back. I, I hope that you're enjoying this as much as I am.
1: Yes, I yeah. am enjoying our conversation. Now, Dr. Standish, you work for the Geoscience Research Institute. You are the senior scientist there. What does the Geoscience Research Institute do? What's the mission?
2: What are some of the things you're doing right now? Well, basically, the Geoscience Research Institute has five scholars. We're all trained and active scientists and uh, we, we fall into different, uh, different categories of science. There's a geologist, there's a paleontologist, there's a, a physicist and a biogeographer, and then, then me. Uh, I keep asking, what exactly am I? But, uh, <laughs> but I'm a biologist. Um, I actually concentrate primarily in molecular genetics, okay. uh, which is the study of DNA and, uh, and, and associated molecules inside yes. cells. What we're looking at is the way in which the Bible and science interface. Okay. Now, uh, there are many people who think, oh, well, science, it is slowly and surely uh, and progressively proving the Bible wrong. But in fact, that's not the case. It's, okay. it's, it's quite surprising uh, uh, to see the agreement that exists between the very best science out mm. there and the claims of Scripture. Okay. Um, Also, it's probably necessary to have something like a biblical worldview to even do science in the first place. You have to believe, for example, that nature will be the same yesterday, today, and forever. And of course, what the Bible teaches is that um, God, who sustains all of nature, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when we find something like a law of physics, we can have confidence that it's going to be the same tomorrow. Okay. The force of gravity is not going to change um, in our lifetime or, you know, a thousand years from now or a million years from now because God is the one who sustains His creation. You have to believe something like that to actually do science. Uh, So there are both philosophical aspects of the biblical worldview and also discoveries that science makes in which science and the Bible uh, actually are in remarkable harmony. Now, that's not to deny that there are, in fact, areas of tension. And uh, that's really what we've been talking about over these last few programs. That tension that exists and where it comes from. Is it really based on evidence, or is it a philosophical thing that's being that's being struggled through here? That is just
1: so fascinating. You know, Dr. Standish, over the course of the last several shows, we've been having this discussion. We kind of began by just asking that broad-based question, where do I come from? And we began with a discussion about origins and one of the most ancient documents recording what the origin of humankind is coming from the Bible, the book of Genesis, written by Moses. But then we began to investigate and say, at some point, at some point in the ancient past, there was a departure from this worldview that God created everything in six days, And we saw one of those departures actually taking place, and we talked specifically about Indian philosophy, and then we talked about Greek philosophy. Now, if you've missed any of those shows, you can go to our YouTube page, www.youtube.com forward slash IIWCanada. You can pick up any of those shows and watch them to bring you up to speed in this discussion. So as we explored that, we saw emerging the Epicureans and then we talked a little bit about the Stoics and then around the time of Jesus, about 2,000 years ago, somewhere between probably 35 and 40 A.D., we see this interaction with Paul and these philosophers and he blows their mind with this argument that, the unknown God who you've built an altar to, I know who that God is. He's the creator God. And we asked the question, why is, this, why is this discussion even important? I mean, why, why, why even worry about these things? And where we ended last week was that not only is God the creator, but he also sent his son, Jesus, whom the Bible says through Jesus all things were made. So Jesus was there at creation as well. God sent his son to a planet that has fallen and not perfect any longer. And we're going to to talk about that in just a moment. And he sent his son with an eventual goal that he's going to make a new creation. So that takes us all the way back to the beginning of that ancient document Genesis. Why is the Genesis account so important for this discussion on origins?
2: Well, even if you are just a historian and you are interested in these things, the Genesis account is absolutely fascinating. You know, usually, when we're talking about history, written accounts trump everything else. Yes, and uh, and so. Um, you know, if if you happen to go into um, the middle of the desert in Egypt, and you see a um, uh, some hieroglyphics that are that are there in in the rock, and those hieroglyphics say, "I, but the second pharaoh of Egypt was here." Yes, we believe that he was there. Yes, um, even though somebody could have come along last week and carefully chiselled those. Uh, Things in, and then, well, may, maybe not in a week, but uh, done everything they could to make that look old and it could fool us. Yes. Um, we believe written accounts, first hand accounts of things. Um, when you uh, think about other events in history that we believe actually happened, for example, I believe that Julius Caesar invaded Britain. Yes. Why do I believe that? I believe it because he wrote about it. He said, yes, I, Caesar, invaded Britain. And we have far less reliable um, documents that we get that that account from. And by the way, uh, we also can believe that as a politician, Caesar was being quite uh, self-serving when he talked about all of his achievements like that. But we believe written accounts from the past. So even though I was just in Britain not that long ago, and you know what? I, I saw no signs of Caesar. <laughs> I believe that he was there. Yes. It's, 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 it's simply a, a way in which scholarship works. And uh, so this account in Genesis is valuable, if for no other reason. Than because it is a very, very early account, but it also happens to be a very coherent account. Okay. It makes an awful lot of sense. Because when we look around our world, most people agree, certainly most Western people agree, that the evidence points towards some kind of beginning. Now, it may have been a big bang, or it may have been God creating everything, but the universe appears to have a beginning, and the fact that human beings are here tells us that human beings came from somewhere. Um, we don't believe that human beings are eternal. We don't believe that dogs are eternal, Right. we don't believe that trees are eternal. So um, this, this account that there was a beginning. That makes an awful lot of sense. When we look at the nature of things, the way organisms are put together, they look like they were designed. Mm -hmm. They look like there was a plan there of some kind. That's what the biblical account tells us occurred. So there's this kind of coherence between what we observe and what the biblical account says. Now, do we have a perfect correlation given the way that science works and our understanding of Scripture and everything? No, we don't. But even on the surface, the major characteristics make an awful lot of sense. So from a scientific perspective, it makes sense. But also from the perspective of our understanding of ourselves, it makes a huge difference. In our lives,
1: and so yeah, so we're we're coming back to that question. Then, you know, who am I? Where am I from? As a scientist, you've spent a lot of time studying science. You have a bachelor's degree in biology. You have, or excuse me, uh, a bachelor's degree in zoology, a master's degree in biology, a a Ph.D. in environmental biology and public policy. You spent a lot of time in the sciences, which, again, oversimplifying things, observing things. And over the course of that time and your observation, you've come to the conclusion that the account of Genesis is the best explanation for origins. It's terrifically sensible, and that is (laughs) exciting. But now we get down to this, who am I? Where where am I from? Why? Why? Why is this discussion of origins, why is this discussion of Genesis being a true
2: account of what happened? Why is that so important? You know, one of the things that prompted my interest in this was actually looking at the genealogy of Jesus. Okay. If you look at one of those genealogies in the Bible, it goes all the way back And it it names off all of the ancestors of Jesus Christ. Yes. And it gets back to Adam. Okay. Right at the very beginning. And all the way along it's been saying, okay, Jesus was the son of Joseph, who was the son of so-and-so, who was the son of so-and-so, who was the son of so-and-so, who was the son of David, who was the son of Jesse, who was the son of... and, And way, you know, back, 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 back. All the way to Adam... Who was the son of? God. And when we start to realize that we also are sons and daughters of God, the creator of the universe, that should profoundly change our understanding of ourselves. Who am I? I am a son of God. Who are you? You're a son of God. Think about this, though. What about somebody who we don't admire? Mm -hmm. Let's say uh, somebody of a different race or somebody with a different belief system or perhaps somebody who's simply squandered their life. Um, They're an alcoholic who, um, you know, we see unconscious. On the street somewhere. How are we going to view them? The biblical understanding of human beings is as sons and daughters of God. And Jesus Christ, who is the creator, that's, that's what the Bible teaches. Yes. Jesus Christ, the creator God, cared. So much about people of other races, people of other beliefs,
0: mm-hmm.
2: people um, you know who who are suffering, who have destroyed themselves in various ways, or, or perhaps were simply born handicapped in some way. Jesus Christ valued each one of those human beings as His own child, right. and died to redeem them. So I mean, it, it's it's really a very complete thing. It teaches us about the value and the equality of humanity. It, oh, I'm okay. sorry. No, no, you go, oh, go right ahead. It also teaches us about the value of other creatures. Okay. Yes. Um, uh, going back there to Genesis, you know, sometimes we read that account mm-hmm. and we kind of skim over things a little bit. One of the things that has fascinated me is this. There is the account there of God forming Adam Yes. out of the ground. God, uh, God made Adam out of dust. Yes. And um, we know that human beings are made out of the same stuff as the dirt, yes. basically. That is a really interesting thing People have tried to say, well, that made human beings different from animals, but it didn't. If you look in Genesis chapter 2, it tells us that God formed every animal out of the dust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, the, and in the New Testament, it tells us that God notes even when a sparrow falls, God made all Creatures, out of the same thing, which is a very important scientific point, by the way. Okay. Um, It used to be believed that somehow or other living things were made out of something different than the inorganic matter. But, or or, or that human beings were made out of different stuff. By the way, it used to also be believed that Space, outer space, you know, everything outside of the earth was made out of some other special stuff as well. But the Bible doesn't encourage that kind of belief. No. It's a very practical understanding. We're made out of the same stuff. We're made uh, by the same God. God made us for different purposes. And um, so, again, that tells us something about our place in nature, our place in the creation. So, both our relationship with one another, our understanding of ourself, and our place in nature really is rooted in our understanding of origins. So, if we extract God from origins and
1: this equality that we're talking about, this being made of the same stuff, which I know there's a more scientific <laughs> word than stuff, but for, for my purposes, yes. I'll say the same stuff. Yes. Where does
2: that leave us? What, what happens? Well, my observation is that um, the idea of equality really goes out the window. Uh, fundamentally, if you look at the Darwinian view of where different kinds of organisms came from, it is predicated on inequality. Certain individuals in a population are the ones that will reproduce mm-hmm. and others will not. Now, sometimes that may be because of chance, but fundamentally because of this concept of natural selection or survival of the fittest, some are more fit than others. And, you know, this is is not a secret. Um, Charles Darwin wrote about it very openly. Um, He believed that the uh, uh, races of human beings other than Caucasians like himself were inevitably um, heading towards uh, extinction because they were not the superior race. Mm. They they were inferior um, in some way. Inequality is what natural selection is, is. It's fundamental to natural selection. So people cannot be truly equal. And so when we talk about
1: God as creator, when we talk about the Genesis account of creation, there are ramifications beyond just a scientific worldview standpoint. There are ramifications to how we treat our fellow humanity. And so here's my question, Dr. Standish. If we really, I mean, if we extract a creator out of this story, then we are all destined for tragic
2: ends here on this earth. If, if we go with a belief system other than the biblical belief system, uh, coming up with something that works nearly as well on a practical level is, is, is hard to uh, conceive of. Now, you, you, you mentioned that I have a PhD in environmental biology and public policy. Yes, yes. And I'm really interested in that public policy side of things. Uh, one, of the, one of the things that I have made a study of is Marxism and fascism. Okay. Yeah. And the thing that fascinates me about those two political philosophies is that they both appeal to Darwinism. Mm-hmm. And yet we think of them as, as, as so different. Fundamental to both systems is the idea of um, uh, struggle. Yes. Okay. Uh, so if, if you look, for example, at the title of Hitler's book, it's Mein Kampf, My Struggle. Yes. If you look at uh, Marxism, it's all about class struggle. They simply place the struggle in different places. But the bottom line is, everybody is at war with everybody else, basically. hmm uh, these are not unifying things. we don't view our brother or our sister as being equal in the same in, in that sort of biblical way in, the, in that way that would encourage us, us to lay down our life for other people, to dedicate our lives to the good of others. We, you know in these systems we should be dedicating our lives to the good of our our own people, our own tribe, our own socioeconomic group, our own gender, yeah. our own, all of those things, and we're struggling against everybody else. It's a war, at, it's a world at war yes. within these systems. Mm-hmm. And we've seen the practical consequences. I mean the experiment has been done yes. with those two systems that are, that are rooted in this Darwinian view of reality and the consequences have been shocking. Um, you know, hundreds of millions of people dead when it's all said and done. Um, pain, suffering, unbelievable. Christianity, the biblical view, people who live by it are literally the salt of the earth. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful, wonderfully beautiful thing that even if it wasn't true. You'd want it to be true, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but thank God it's true. Yes, and and that's and
1: that's and that's where we're. So this Genesis account. And by the way, I, I keep saying the Genesis account of creation is Genesis the only place that the Bible is mentioning creation? No,
2: no, no, not e- not even close. In fact, one of the things I've done is read through the Bible and marked every text that I consider to be an unambiguous reference to the creation. And that's actually available on the the web if people are interested. um, uh, they They can go and find that. I just put all the Bible texts that I found that are unambiguous references to the creation. And it's from Genesis to Revelation. And the creation shows up in interesting places. The book of Psalms, the book of Isaiah the book of Acts in the New Testament. Who'd have thought? But there it is. And certainly the book of Revelation, a lot about the creation.
1: Absolutely. And now, Dr. Standish, what website do people want to go to to get that, uh, to get that uh, piece of, that you've put together with all these Genesis, uh, excuse me, all these creation uh, accounts?
2: Well, probably the easiest place to go to would be fscsda.org. And then just go to the, the resources link there. And there are a bunch of resources, but one of them is the Creation Bible. And that's uh, something. Not everybody's going to agree with every text that, I, that, that impressed me. Some are going to be saying, why didn't you put this in there? Yes. But the basic pattern is very obvious. The creation pervades Scripture. It's not sort of something that's only at the beginning. And something that you said that's very interesting
1: is the creation shows up in the beginning, Genesis 1. But then the creation shows up at the very end of the Bible in Revelation 22, as the Bible is wrapping up and it talks about a a new creation. And we're going to have shows later on where we'll talk about why there needs to be a new creation. But fundamentally, as we're kind of bringing this all together, why is that so important that from Genesis to Revelation, we have continual accounts of God? creating
2: and making and having that divine origin. Because it's central to the message of Scripture. God created very good. The creation was marred by the entrance of sin and then at the end when it's talking about that new creation there in Revelation 22, it's saying God will wipe away all tears. There'll be no more suffering, no more death. The evil that has come into the creation, that's what the whole Bible is really about. How how is that dealt with? How does God redeem His creation from the misery and suffering that is the result of sin?
1: Dr. Standish, we have run out of time, but this is very inspiring to know that there is a God who has made us, each one of us with a purpose, and he has redeemed us with the ultimate purpose of spending eternity in a perfect new creation he has made. Let's have prayer together. Heavenly Father, we are thankful that you are the creator, that you sent your son, the redeemer, and that Lord, you are making a new creation We are thankful for it. Please help us to always know that you are our Father who has made us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Dear friends, I hope you have enjoyed this journey that Dr. Standish and I have taken together. I want to offer you today the book, Beyond Imagination. I also want to make a second offer, a DVD of all three of these programs. Beyond Imagination, you can get for absolutely free. The DVD of these three programs you can get for any size donation. Here's the information you need for today's offer.
0: To request today's offer, just log on to www.ItIsWrittenCanada.ca. That's www.ItIsWrittenCanada.ca. For Canadian viewers, the offer will be sent free and postage paid. For viewers outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you prefer, you may call toll-free at 1-888-CALL-IIW. That's 1-888-CALL-IIW. Or if you wish, you may write to us at It Is Written, Box 2010, Oshawa, Ontario, L1H 7V4.
1: Dr. Standish, I want to thank you so much for
0: being a part of this
2: discussion, answering the question, where are we from? The answer that we get is really a beautiful thing when we look to Scripture and hang on to what's there. So I encourage viewers to get into the Bible and investigate this a lot more than we've been able to in this short time. Absolutely.
1: Friend, I would invite you to join us again next week. Until then, remember... IT IS WRITTEN, MAN SHALL NOT LIVE BY BREAD ALONE, BUT BY EVERY WORD THAT PROCEEDS FROM THE MOUTH OF GOD.